When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As of right now, we are at war. How desperate. You call on such lost creatures to defend you. How desperate am I? You threaten my world with war. You steal a force you can't hope to control. You talk about peace and you kill because it's fun. You have made me very desperate. You might not be glad that you did. There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people to see if they can become something more. Welcome to Fury's Finest, a podcast and resource to vote discussion of the Marvel Crisis Protocol in the Marvel Universe. My name is Jesse Aiken, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host and good friend, Chris Breffitt. How are you doing today, Chris? Jesse, I'm doing great, man. How are you feeling today? I'm feeling good, man. We've been hitting the show really, really hard with tons of content. We've been doing not only weekly content, but double per week content a lot lately. It's funny to say it feels weird to be back in the normal format of the show. That, of course, is a character episode of Fury's right. Finest, which are kind of our staple content. But now, like with AMG Mini Stravaganza 2, with tournament content, with guest episodes, like things with Omnis, we've had so many other things going on, which has been very exciting and very fresh. And the news, of course, keeping up with the news has been outrageous lately because there's been so much good news. It feels weird to be back in our street level content, but we're we're back in our street level content and we're getting close to its end. We're going to get there one of these days, but then we're going to have to come back to it because they're going to keep releasing characters. That's how it goes. We do our best. We clump out together. We can to make sense for you, you listener at home. And then, of course, AMG will release new characters as we want them to. And we'll kind of make it fit later, but you know, we're gonna do what we can right now. And of course, today, Chris, we are doing a good guy character on our street level. Yes, content. we are. And that's Luke Cage. It's a character I've been really looking forward to getting into his content and of course his strategy because I think he's right up there with Lizard right now as just one of the better threes in the game, just to kind of take in a list and be a staple on your team and a backbone of your team. He's a very strong character, a very strong three threat that does very much a lot of what you want and not a lot you don't want because he doesn't do much anything else, but everything he does do is great. Of course. And that's what you want of these backbone three threats in your team, right? These workhorses. So... We've got to talk about Cage, but more importantly, we've got to learn his lore first because he is a very interesting and storied character throughout Marvel history, and I find it very fascinating. And I'm I'm excited to learn more, Chris, about Cage today. Well, you're gonna, but we have something to take care of first. <laughs> 
Gary's Finest is supported by Discount Games Inc. Go to discountgamesinc.com for all your Marvel Crisis Protocol and miniature gaming needs. Our patrons support this show at patreon.com slash furiesfinest. If you enjoy our show, consider supporting us with a monthly contribution. Helps us pay our bills, pay our overhead, and continue making future content. We take this time to thank all of our patrons for their support. And this week we have a very big and very special thank you going out to Gary M. Gary, thank you so, so much. And of course, we could never go an episode without thanking our Avenger producers, Zack Attack, Rusty, Keith, and Dylan. Thank you so much, guys. All right, Chris, it's time to get over to Luke Cage lore. Well, let's do it. We're going to start today's lore section like we do almost every time. We're going to ask the question, who is Luke Cage. Luke Cage is one of, I think, one of Marvel's more interesting characters. He's a character I like very much. He is the first black character to get his own comic. He's not the first in Marvel comics, mind you. He is not the first black hero in Marvel comics. That, of course, is Black Panther. But Luke Cage, hero for hire, is the first hero with a black lead. Hero comic book with a black lead, which is very very cool. And his whole story is rooted in questions of race and and racial situations, especially early on. Of course. And that's super cool. And I I love that Marvel was doing these dynamic things as far back as Cage, but also Chris too, like he is one of the earlier, as we've been in the series, but he is one of the earlier street level Marvel characters, where it's one of those things where Marvel kind of pulled back a bit and subdued superpowers some and, you know, made more of these street level characters. And I, I find that very interesting too, because, you know, it's like what we started with when we're talking about with Daredevil. It's one of those things, it is a different flavor of Marvel that is more real. And it tends to be a little bit more dark and it tends to be a little grittier. But, you know, that is that is kind of what it means to be a street level operator, uh, you know, in real life and in comic books, no matter which side you're on. So let's move on to what may what makes Luke Cage, Luke Cage in Marvel Crisis Protocol terms. Let's talk about his powers. Luke Cage, of course, possesses super human strength, stamina and nearly indestructible skin and muscle tissue. And on top of that, he also recovers from injury quite a bit faster than your normal, but I, I wouldn't call it like a healing factor. Just kind of plot armor, I think, is more accurate. He did gain his powers, what would later be revealed to be the Weapon X program. So the same program that gave us Deadpool, Steve Rogers, Wolverine, Sabretooth. He's in this this kind of this lineage, but it would happen under quite different circumstances. Luke Cage is an excellent fighter, gifted athlete, a martial artist, and he's been trained under his good buddy Iron Fist's instruction. And he's just, you know, kind of got the superpower of being a really cool guy. His first appearance in comic books was Luke Cage, Hero for Hire, number one, written in June of 1972, published, I should say, and he was created by Archie Goodwin, George Tuska, Roy Thomas, and John Romita Sr. A couple of reoccurring names there. Some names we've heard before. 
Jesse, would it surprise you if I told you that Luke Cage was not born under the name Luke Cage? It actually would surprise me. Well, you should know this because you watched the show. It's true. Luke Cage is born Carl Lucas. He is raised in Harlem in New York City, and he spends his youth in a kind of a street gang named The Rivals. He is in this gang with his friend Willis Stryker. They fight rival gangs, yada, yada, yada. Eventually, over a girl, Carl Lucas will be betrayed by Stryker and get sent to prison. He is framed by his friend for his father's murder, supposed death. Well, of course, his father doesn't really die. We'll get to that later. But as far as the law is concerned, as far as Carl Lucas is concerned, he is dead. Carl Luke would be locked up, and he's very, very disturbed. So he's kind of a problem prisoner here for a while, and he's often picked on uh, by a very racist guard named Albert Billy Bob Rackham, who would actually be demoted because of how he treats Carl soon. Luke, Carl will kind of hook up here with Dr. Noah Bernstein, who recruits Carl to undergo an experiment for cellular regeneration. It's based on the super soldier serum that Bernstein has used previously on a character named Warhawk. And it would eventually be exposed as part of the Weapon Plus program. So what's going to happen here is we're going to have a science experiment and Luke Cage is going to get his powers. Using these powers of indestructible skin, superhuman strength, and his just general toughness already, his his general attitude, he's just kind of an honorable guy with, you know, a checkered past. But he escapes prison and he decides to go back to Harlem and he's going to do good with these powers that he has now acquired. And he's going to start going by Luke Cage. So this is when Luke Cage is introduced to the Marvel universe as the hero for hire you know this is kind of during the the black exploitation era of the 70s and luke cage is pretty popular during this time but of course as that trend kind of wanes cage's cage's popularity is going to wane with that he will work with the defenders during this time he will he will work with the fantastic four first i mean he's he's out there like he's front and center Very cool. But as his popularity wanes, they're going to do something to kind of kick things back up or just try to salvage a couple of characters that just aren't resonating with people anymore. And this is when Power Man and Iron Fist enter the scene. And during this Heroes for Hire run, it's going to occur at kind of a dark time during Marvel, immediately before and after the murder of Gwen Stacy, death of Gwen Stacy. But Power Man and Iron Fist and Heroes for Hire are going to be noticeably different. It's going to be a more lighthearted book, not always flowers and roses, of course, but it's it's going to have some jokes. It's going to end on some good notes. And because of this, it's going to kind of cycle through writers because Marvel wanted dark stories. So it's going to go through two writers and really great sales until they just shoehorn the the dark in. And eventually Iron Fist, Danny Rand, will die and that will end the Heroes for Hire line. And that is when Luke Cage will once again be, be 
framed for murder. And he will become a fugitive, run away, run to Chicago this time. And in Chicago, he will just go by Luke Cage, hero for hire, still. The comic book that will detail this is the book Cage. Um, it's fine. No reason not to read it. it during this, this run is when we're going to have Luke Cage's family stuff kind of resurface. Luke Cage's little brother, who has kind of gone bad and been hiding Luke Cage's father from Luke since Stryker set everything up a long time ago. Well, out of jealousy, Luke's brother has become the street-level villain, powered villain, meta-human Coldfire. And Coldfire has continually been hiding the truth from Luke Cage of their father still being alive. Now, Coldfire is going to be hired by the son of one of Cage's old villains, Bushmaster Cruz. Bushmaster. Bushmaster will also take Luke Cage's and Coldfire's father hostage to make sure that Coldfire delivers on taking down Luke Cage. And wouldn't you know it, Luke Cage and Coldfire are going to set aside their differences to save their father. Coldfire will sacrifice himself in the end to save their father. And that kind of a nice bow on that whole Chicago thing. Hmm. Just kind of ends. So after all of this happens, Luke Cage is kind of done with superheroing. He's going to try to retire. He's going to try to go into business and, and own the dream theater there in Times Square, but it's just not going to happen. He's going to get wrangled into ev to a very mystic supernatural thing. Iron Fist is going to kind of show back up, and we're going to kind of see the the formation of the defenders here this team will be a loose team they're not like the avengers where they kind of operate in conjunction a lot as a team an actual organization the defenders operate more like when one member cannot overcome a challenge they call on the others so it's it's very autonomous until you hear from someone after this you're really really going to see luke cage bust back onto the scene of course, because this is when Brian Michael Bendis gets a hold of the character and he resurfaces in Jessica Jones' title, Alias. This Alias story will explain where Luke Cage has been when he's been after disappearing from superheroing and, and, and post-Defenders when he's kind of laying low. And it also injects him into this new, more adult line with Jessica Jones introducing Jessica and the Purple Man. And like we've discussed in episodes, I, I think specifically the Daredevil episode, right. Purple Man's a really, really rough guy. Very, mm. a lot of really heavy topics to be discussed with Purple Man. And and they did that in the Alias uh, Netflix show. But of course, the comic is a little different and I highly suggest it. Luke Cage does play a very large role in it. And you say the Alias Netflix show, you mean the Jessica Jones Yes, Jessica Jones is the name. Sorry. They had to rename it because of the uh, alias show on, was it ABC? J.J. Yeah. Abrams, yeah. That's, that's right. the one, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yes, the Jessica Jones Netflix series, yes. Marvel's alias. Correct. And this is what, what brings Cage back into the spotlight. Oh, right into the limelight. And really, it's, it's Bendis that does this. Bendis just Always. really, really loves Luke Cage. And so this is going to see Luke Cage really thrust upon the scene. He's going to he's going to serve in the Thunderbolts here. He's going to lead the Thunderbolts 
for a while. He's going to be integral in reforming the Avengers. He's going to be a huge part of the all-new, all-different Avengers. Sam's team. Yeah, a major part in Civil War II, in Secret Empire, in The Hunt for Wolverine. He is a lead character in Marvel now, and, and one of the coolest things I think about Luke Cage is his resurfacing from his heyday in the late 70s, early 80s, and just through thoughtful writing and good stories, he hasn't been shoehorned. He's grown very naturally to being an integral part of the current Marvel universe. And I think it's an excellent way to use storytelling to elevate the right kind of characters. I like that. Yeah. Especially these street level characters like this, right? Mm-hmm. Where Absolutely. It's, it's less fantasy. It's less super fantastical superpowers. It's regular people, really. It's absolutely regular people. I mean, you watch Luke and Jessica Jones interact, and they're, yes, they're both superhuman individuals, but they also have a kid and haven't slept in, you know, a year. I get that. It's, yeah, I know you do, buddy. And it's just, it's very good stuff. And, you know, that's kind of where we leave Luke here is is with Jessica Jones and and knowing that he's integral in all these wonderful stories that we've talked about many times. Highly recommend checking them out. Well, him and Jessica like form a pretty serious relationship too, right, Chris? Like Oh yes, they have a they have a child. They are together. It yes. starts out as kind of like more of a one night stand sort of situation and it grows right. into a deeper partnership later on. Right. With a child. And a healthy one at that. Love that. You do love to see examples of healthy relationships in media. And I love that they touched on that actually in the Marvel Netflix shows, actually. They did. The beginnings of it, at least. And I hope we'll see more in the future. But let's talk about that Marvel Netflix show a little bit. Yeah. So Cage was introduced in Jessica Jones first. Yes. And a great addition to the Jessica Jones show. We talk about on this show many, many times how great season one of Jessica Jones is. And then they gave him his own show. Oh, and it was season one was awesome. So Luke Cage in this Netflix Marvel universe is played by Mike Coulter. You know, we've talked about great casting on the show, and this might not be the top of the great casting like we talked about recently with some casting. Things like Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin and things like John Bernthal as the Punisher as Frank Castle. But I think Mike is a great choice as Luke Cage, Chris. And I think, once again, this performance and this casting helped Luke Cage get back fully into the limelight in comics as well. I absolutely think that's that's part of it. I think, I think that Mike Coulter was a secretly excellent casting. Oh, yeah. Because you can't miss on that casting. He's not flashy about how good. It's just like Luke Cage. He's going to go in there like Luke, and he's going to get the job done. No frills, lunch pail. I mean, he's a fantastic actor. I'm not trying to. I'm not sure. trying to devalue his art here. But what I'm saying is, he captures that no frills attitude of Luke Cage very well in his portrayal of Luke Cage. And I think that that's why you don't really hear about it. And also, I mean, you know. Lead black actor. People don't talk about it enough. Well, that's true. I also find very interesting with him, Chris, is he said his introduction in Jessica Jones, he took a different approach with the character than his portrayal in the Luke Cage show that follows. And he basically said he played Cage and Jessica Jones 
in a super vulnerable, a bit in a free fall type mode. 100%. Trying to figure out his next move. Very true to the story, yes. And then the Cage show, he's much more in charge, refined, and also like he's no longer in that mode. And Jessica helped him get through a lot of things too, which is a big part of it. And and a lot of the Cage show is, is flashback as well. Of course, of course. Coulter put on like over 30 pounds of muscle for the role, which, you know, yeah, he's props huge. to him. He's already a super muscular guy just by default. And he just knocks it out of the park, man. I think Cage is one of those performances that's very nuanced. And, you know, he's a nuanced oh, yeah. hero. He He's a true lawful good guy but then he's also neutral sometimes but what's what's interesting about this performance is he kind of captures all that and like you said he's not super flashy in his good guidance either that's that's kind of a weird part of it it's a weird way to frame it and i think a lot of that is is captured in the fact that he is a fugitive a lot of the time he is using an alias as his name now you sure know? so he doesn't necessarily always want adulation he doesn't necessarily always want to be in the public eye. So, you know, I, I just think that Mike really captured that really, really well. That whole kind of introspectiveness of the character, kind of a reserved confidence in the character. But then when he's in his bag, man, he's talking just like everybody else. It's true. There's some pretty great quotes from like Mike talking about playing the role. And he was like, I was afraid to use the words "sweet Christmas" and, and nail he it. did make it seem as natural as you as you absolutely could. He said, "I was afraid of the phrase, but it actually fits so well. I don't know why. I don't know why it fits so well in Luke's mouth. The phrase is used sparingly, though." And he says, "I opt for pensive silence with the character, which I think fits the character." And he's absolutely right. Like one hundred percent. Cage is not a man of many words, and. That's kind of the power in his goodness, you know, is he doesn't have to say much or monologue. He's he's a man of action. He's not just a rock in in the sense of he's immo- immovable and unbreakable, but he's he's, you know, he's very morally centered even though sometimes it takes him a little convincing to to land on the absolute true path of good, the selfless path, I should say. That's entirely true. But you know, man's got to eat he also said, too, he's not a bombastic black alpha male. Right. He's soulful and intelligent. He's like, we're so used to seeing the bombastic, the good alpha black male that like it's it, it's rare we see the pensive and soulful alpha black male. That's what's pretty interesting. I think he was taking a lot of these approaches to the character and, you know, all this like with the black exploitation history, but also like I think all this is taken into account by smarter people than us, smarter writers, and then, of course, Mike's performance. I really think that while the Luke Cage show might not have been my favorite of the Netflix Marvel series, right. I think that season one was absolutely 100% without a doubt the best written and directed of all of those series. Ooh, like a self-contained season? 100%. Interesting take. I like that. I'll think about that. Season one Please of Jessica do. Jones is is very good. It's, it's very excellent. Good. And so is season one of Daredevil. Yeah. They're, they are very, very excellent. But I think I think there's a lot going on in Luke Cage. Oh, yeah. There's, there's a lot. A lot. And we won't spoil it for you. I will tell you, though, that one of my favorite modern actors is in the Luke Cage show, Mahershala Ali, not as Blade... Though he's Blade now. Oh my gosh, I cannot wait. He plays Codmouth in the show and kills he's it. Good. He's good. He so, he's so good. He kind of makes the early season as well. So it's one of those things like, I'm very curious where Marvel takes all this stuff. Yeah. Gosh, I can't wait for Blade. Speaking of like 
Marvel black heroes. Oh, I know, man. Mm. But Cage is a is a an exceptional hero, Chris. Like he's a guy that I really resonate with his like his beliefs and his he's he's a questioner, which is what I am at heart. He's a lawful good questioner, you know, and that's that really means a lot to me. Like I, I find the character so compelling because he is pretty quiet most of the time. And, you know, this kind of closing out our lore section where we kind of do a summation of the character. I think that's one of the things that speaks to me about the character. He's quiet, but not in a Wolverine quiet way. You know, he's right. quiet because he's intelligent and soulful, like Mike just said. But also, like he's trying to always do the right thing and thinking it through. And I really like that. And you know, his powers are pretty subdued. Yeah, he's a muscular guy. Yeah, he's super trained in martial arts. Yeah, he has unbreakable skin. He's Superman esque. It stops kind of there. And he's definitely not invincible. No. I mean, it's just his skin. I mean, if you've seen The Boys, you saw how the Invisible One died. And Spoilers. That could happen to Cage. Yeah, he's a great character. He is. Any other final thoughts in lore, Chris? Well, my final, final thought here. I'm just going to get right to my comic recommendations. Cut to the chase here, and I'm going to recommend Power Man and Iron Fist Volume 1. The Boys are back in town. It's going to be a more recent kind of set in the more modern uh, Marvel. It's going, but a lot of the storyline wise is going to take place very much after the like, 70s and 80s comics. It, it doesn't talk so much about everything in between. It's kind of back to basics with, with Power Man and Iron Fist, just kind of slice of life books and them just making fun of each other and, but with their modern life. It's very cool. But also going back and reading the original hero for hire the original luke cage books and then when when he and iron fist get put together it's 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 good stuff so i also recommend going and reading any of that stuff okay sounds good you can't get better than iron fist and luke cage as a team so no they're fantastic all right chris it's time to move on to strategy his name is luke cage his alter ego is Carl Lucas. On his healthy side, he has a stamina of six, a move of medium, a height of two, and a threat cost of three. His defenses are four physical, three energy, and three mystic. And Chris, on his injured side, he has a stamina of five, popping him up to a stamina of 11 total. And he is, of course, on a small base, not a medium base, so a small base, medium mover. Anything stand out to you about our three threat friend cage here i love four physical defense i love it a lot he's up there with beast and lizard that's right it's good it's strong he's a tanky guy he's a tanky guy well i think we just got to move into his attacks chris because this is a pretty simple character but uh, we want to talk about after potentially places he fits so his first attack is power man punch it's a physical attack, range two, strength of five, and a power cost of zero. After the attack is resolved, Cage gains power equal to the damage dealt, and it has a wild trigger, but there's a twist. It's a double wild. You have to get two wilds to trigger this, so that means mean it's very good. It means, all, it means if you get one wild, nothing happens. If you get two wilds, you trigger stagger. After the attack is resolved, the target character gains the stagger special condition. So Cage has one of the best wild triggers in the game on a strike but it's very difficult to get because a stagger is a very powerful thing. Makes sense. Extremely. And I'm glad that it's very rare because one one wild on that would just be OP, OP, and we all know it. That's true. He would have to bump up and thread or something at that point. So let's move on to his next attack. It is also a physical attack. It is Sweet Christmas. It is a range three, strength seven, 
Power cost of four. On a wild, you will trigger throw. Target character size three or less. So that's nice. He's only size two. So that superhuman strength is coming into play. Yeah. And you throw him short, right? So. Yes, you do. Not too crazy. Well, and we have one more thing here. After the attack is resolved, the target character gains the slow and stun special conditions. Very good. So you're getting those auto. You're throwing seven dice, range three, automatically getting the slow and stun special. Don't have to get damaged through, no wilds. Not bad. And the throw could be clutch. Yeah, this is a little expensive, Chris, but spending four to, it is. to get a throw that might not happen, but more importantly, to auto get slow and stun is pretty nice. We've talked about now like this trend AMG is doing where spenders just guarantee conditions is really nice. It is very nice because otherwise... Without the guarantee of those conditions, I don't think that that attack would ever be worth doing. It's true, but the range three is nice because Cage struggles with range. Yeah, it's just, do you want to spend power there? Because you've got some other options. Of course, and we got to move on to those other options because we're done with his attacks. Now we're going to move into superpowers. His first superpower is an active superpower called Street Fighter. It costs two. Choose an interactive terrain feature of size two or less within range two of Cage and throw it short. This superpower can be only used once per turn. So it's two for a size two terrain, Chris. Not too crazy. It's not a character throw, so not as right. strong as Beast or maybe Lizard, but it is cheap. That's okay. Well, we have to talk about the next one just right now, and it is a reactive superpower. It is too dangerous to ignore. It's going to cost you two. When an enemy character within range two of this character targets another allied character with an attack, Luke Cage may use this superpower. Luke Cage becomes the target of the attack regardless of range and line of sight. So now we've got a bodyguard option on him, and I highly suspect that you might want to be saving power to use this instead of for the sweet Christmas attack. You're correct, Chris. But to clarify things, we've talked about this power before. It's been a long time ago, a long, long time ago, when we did our Black Dwarf episode on our Black mm -hmm. Order episode. So this is a reverse bodyguard. Normally bodyguard is like when an ally character within range two of this character is attacked, spend this power to bodyguard. This is when an enemy character within range two of Cage. So basically if Cage is in someone's face... If they're trying to attack a character past Cage, outside range two or further, Cage can take it on himself. And Black Dwarf has the same thing. So it's it's an aggressive bodyguard. It's not an Aquaire cap where they're back with your team bodyguarding. It's a Cage is in the enemy's face and Hawkeye can't shoot the enemy. Right. It's a very frontline thing. Cage is in Hawkeye's face and he has no choice but to shoot Cage first, right? Because it's intimidating to him because he doesn't want to get punched by cage and that's the same with black dwarf this is cool i really like it i do too and it also really helps that too dangerous to ignore paired with his next superpower he's got two innates and the first one we're going to talk about is unbreakable skin of course when this character would suffer damage from an enemy effect reduce the amount suffered by one to a minimum of one of course this is why he fits right into the invincible sam squad that's right does have that damage reduction he does redirect attacks to him when placed in the proper spots mm -hmm. you're forcing your opponent to go into suboptimal conditions of course and to add to his further durability chris his last superpower is is a innate superpower immunity to bleed 
He just doesn't get blade conditions. I'm sorry, Blade. I'm sorry, Blade. You don't get to drink blood off of Cage. Now, nothing changes on the back, Chris, except his health goes down from six to five, giving him a total of 11, like I said earlier. But he's just the same character on the back. This is a simple character. You and I talked about Cage when he was unveiled in our news segment a couple news cycles back. Initially, you were underwhelmed with Cage. I was. I was. I want to talk about this. Unpack this. I I know why. I know why. Okay. Tanks are boring. Mm. I like lots of dice. You like lots of attacks. I like lots of attack dice. But, you know, a five physical attack at range two with stagger, which is hard to get off, is really nice for a three threat. It is good. He's, He's very good. I'm not sure why I was underwhelmed other than... I think I just wanted somebody to that with a lot of damage or maybe somebody flashy. Or you just wanted like a four threat cage, you know, with like more reduction, more tankiness. I do. I do love Luke Cage a lot. <laughs> so, yeah, it could have just been some emotions playing in. But and, and also I am a better player now. And I just I do see so much more possibility in this kit now than I did a long time ago. When you did play cage about a month or so back, Chris, in Defenders which I find I very fun because, of course, you can change that Power Man punch to a Mystic or Energy oh, it's punch. so cool, right? But, like, just forget that. Like, just think about him filling out your Defender's roster as just kind of a cheap frontline model to sit on an objective, you know? While your heavy hitters kind of move around and get in position to attack. We need characters like this in this game, Chris. I talked about in our news episode, my prediction with Cage is that he would be my new... He'd be one of my new teach the game models and he certainly is oh yeah you throw him iron man some other three threats that all just kind of like have pretty simple kits that just make sense and there's not too many crazy things going on you throw them in a list and it just works like you know like cage he's always gonna reduce the damage he's got good defensive stats and like he's always just gonna kind of do his job and be consistent and that's why i like lizard so much we've talked about this recently Cage is very similar to Lizard. Like, they don't have these crazy big spikes. In fact, Cage has higher spikes than Lizard when it comes to damage. Yeah. Um, but yeah. it's like they're very consistent with like their defenses, which is a big deal in this game, Chris. It's a very big deal. You need to be able to stand on points in mm-hmm. this game. Your, your team needs someone that can stand their ground on a middle objective, or you need to be really clever with your secure objective cards. Oh, absolutely. Entirely. It's just one of the two. Well, and, and that's the thing where it's like certain characters are good at extracts. Certain characters are good at secures and certain characters are both. And, you know, Cage is probably good at both, but he's really good at secures, you know, and that's a big thing. Yes, he is. He shines in secures. And it's always, he's one of those characters where do you take him and hope that he can go toe to toe with their secure and you play around your extract? Sure. Or do you do you plan him, plan his first two activations out and get him exactly where you want him to go regardless of the opponent because you chose the secure and you knew your game plan? It's interesting. It's, what kind of player are you? And I, I think he kind of fits into both styles, which just makes him very, very, a very solid investment. Yeah, I mean, he fits everywhere. Let's, let's be honest. Like, let's just say it straight up before we even get to his affiliations. He's just a solid three threat. You can fit anywhere with no fears. He's a great purchase for this game. Him him and Iron Fist both are just yep. stellar characters. 
So let's get that out of the way. But I'm going to talk about his character card real quick. And we'll talk about it again in our Iron Fist episode because it's good on both of them, of course. And then we'll talk about affiliations. Uh, his tactics card is called Heroes for Hire. It's unaffiliated. Reactive. When an allied character is targeted by an attack and is within range three of an allied Luke Cage or an allied Iron Fist, the allied character may spend two power to play this card. So when an allied character is targeted by an attack, and as long as the cage is range three of them, the allied character who's under attack can pay two power to play this card. Now place an allied Luke Cage or Iron Fist that was within three of the allied character, now within range one of the allied character. So Cage is like jumping up to get in the way. Cage becomes the target of the attack now. After the attack is resolved, if Cage or Iron Fist was not dazed and the attacking character is size three or less, the enemy is size three or less, Cage may throw the attacking character away short. This is a lethal protector bodyguard and a throw, Chris. This card, I don't think it made sense to me how powerful this card was until you used it against me very well. Okay. And at that point, it's just like, wow, in this specific situation, that was completely broken. You're like, I'm confident I will day as a character. Oh, wait, Cage is teleporting. Cage is teleporting up now. That is exactly what happened. It helps Cage with his movement problems too, right? Where it's like, he doesn't 100%. have charge. He doesn't have any fancy things like that. He doesn't have hit and run. It's like, he goes from range three away from the target. Now the target you th- were thinking you were going to kill is not being attacked. Cage is being attacked and he just was placed in front of them in the way and you didn't kill him. Some damage got through, maybe, but that's fine. And now Cage gets to throw the person you just attacked with away. Like, it just messes up your plans big time. It's it's a very disruptive card. It's enough reason to take Cage alone. Like, Cage is strong enough to just to be a slot in three spot. But then you take this card, and it's a big deal. It's a really big deal. Especially if you're running Cage and Danny in tandem together. You know, it's a big deal. But Chris, we got we to gotta move on to your favorite part of the show and talk about Cage and his affiliations. So starting off, Cage is actually in the Avengers. Makes perfect sense. I'm Makes playing, sense. I'm playing him in the Sam Swarm. He's also in Defenders. So oh, yeah. think about Avengers first. So in Avengers, he can reduce the cost of the superpowers by one with Steve, or he can potentially get a free advance and a heal or a condition remove with Sam. He's good in both. He's good in both. I think he's excellent in Sam's. It's because he's a three threat, right? And Sam wants 100%. threes and twos. Now, moving on, he's also in Defenders, which is very cool. This is big because he can spend a power, change his punches to Mystics or Energy. Mm-hmm. He can just use the portals, which is why you take Defenders, like using those portals. It's very, very cool. So as the game stands right now, Chris, those are his two affiliations, but he's great in other teams. So we're going to touch on that. A-Force, he's amazing because he takes damage. Oh, yeah. Other members of the team get power or someone else takes damage on the team. He gets power. He bodyguards where he's up close. Power gets passed around. Insane. Asgard, he's also great. He heals every turn, right? Or he mm-hmm. re- removes conditions. I'm not sure if it's in Black Order or Brotherhood. But he's not terrible in Brotherhood because he can throw terrain. So that's the thing. Yeah, it's it's not the worst, but it's not optimal. Same with Cabal, where it's like, yeah. if he deals damage, he gets more power, which he does deal pretty good consistent damage. But like Cabal has so many threes now, Chris, like you're probably just going to take one of their threes. Let's just be yeah, honest. Yeah, 100%. 
I'm not sure he fits in complication at all, but time will tell with them because we're seeing a lot of their stuff. But like, since they're the tactics card affiliation and it's like affiliated tactics cards, he doesn't fit there because he's not affiliated. Now, Dark Dimension could be interesting. Him with Dormammu having oh a whole my. bunch of power. 100%. Just yeah. doing things. Also, let's not understate, he is a terrifying criminal syndicate member. He's not in criminal syndicate, but him counting as two on an objective, just like Lizard. Gross. It's a problem. Gross. It's a problem. In humans, he's decent because their ability to pass power around seems good. And like Cage, you're not upset, Chris, if he has a lot of power, but you're also not like starving for power because if he's taking damage, he's going to have enough power to do what he wants to do. If he's not taking damage, he's doing his job. So it's one of those things like you'd rather pass the power to someone else. So Cage could, in in humans, pass the power over to the humans and they could do more things. Pretty cool. Now, it's sad that he's not in Midnight Suns. It is. He's also decent in this team. Like being able to place Cage further up the map is not bad at all. (laughs) And this continues with like Storm's X-Men giving him cover. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Even X-Force, like him getting to reroll one die on all his, on his attacks is a big deal. Like it's giving him more consistency. And then we close it out with web warriors and spider foes web warriors. I think he's actually a really good fit. It's a weird fit for him. Cause he's not as mobile as them, but he just plants his feet, gets rerolls on his defense size for miles leadership. And he's probably fine with it. Chris, he's just consistent. And then spider foes, not a great team for him because they have a lot of synergy with each other, with their cards, but he does not hate rerolling your opponent's defense dice and just getting his punches off and getting more power, getting mm-hmm. to throw more. So once again, similar to our episodes, Chris, where we did Taskmaster and Punisher, if you're a new player to this game, this is probably one of those packs you just buy. Yeah, I, I would think so. He just you're going to find a place for him. Yeah, you're going to find a place for him for a long time. So he's a great model to to start your collection with. Well, and he, of course he comes with Danny too, and we're going to talk about Danny very soon, but like similar with Taskmaster and Punisher, these guys fit where you ever want them to fit, you know? And you don't have to be concerned about them not having synergy with the team. Though they have places that are better, they're never bad. And like I said, Cage is one of my new go-to models to teach the game for a reason. Can't argue with that. Chris, it feels good to be a new player and just have like your defense dice rolls happen and then reduce damage on top of that like you're learning how to play the game right you're learning how to go to objectives interact with things sit there you know hold this point and then you're reducing damage on top of that it just feels good you know to not be one-shotted and that's this is why you bring cage demo days and stuff he's simple too you definitely don't want to bring characters that are going to be having a lot of triggers a lot of times but cage does have a trigger but it's a very intentional one yep and I think that's a, a really great place to start people to think about triggers. Absolutely. And he's a great way to teach players too. like cages in people's faces. He's teed up. Just med pack him, get him back to normal. That's right. You know, and just keep doing what you're doing with him. I love it. And like punch people, throw them off the point, heal them up and say, come at me. You know, I'm cage and I'm ready. 100%. Oh, yeah. He's just a solid character, and there's really not much more to say than that. So if you have any other places you'd like to put cage, let us know. But, you know, just it's echoing, Chris, some of our episodes of the past. He's a simpler beast. You know, he's a simpler taskmaster. He's a simpler lizard, you know, but like they all are just great models to slot in places. And I love it. Pick your poison. A sign of a very healthy game. Fury's Finest is supported by our wonderful patrons. You can become a Fury's Finest patron by going to patreon.com slash 
Fury's Finest. Find us on social media. Find us on Twitter at Fury's Finest Cast and Facebook and Instagram at Fury's Finest. Of course, we have a Twitch page at twitch.tv slash Fury's Finest. And if you can leave us reviews on your podcast platform of choice, it really helps us out. Of course, Apple Podcasts is the most important because it helps us scale the Apple podcast algorithm. If you can leave us a five-star review, it really helps. If you can leave us a written five-star review, it helps even more. And we actually have so many of you that have done that. It really means a lot to us. We're going to read them on a future episode. So if you can do that, it helps the show grow and it helps Marvel Christ Protocol get out there to the world. Thanks to Approaching Nirvana for our intro and outro music. And like Jesse said, guys, please help spread the word about our show. Rate, review, and subscribe. It helps so, 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 so much. And thank you to all of you who have. Of course, you can find Chris and I on social media. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jesse Aiken. And of course, that's E-A-K-I-N. I'm also on the Marvel Christ Protocol pages on Facebook. And I have a Star Wars show called The Canon Cantina. Chris, where can everyone find you? You can find me on Twitter at Chris Bruffett, C-H-R-I-S-B-R-U-F-F-E-T-T. Well, sweet Christmas, Chris. That was a pretty simple episode for us, you know, compared to normal. It's been a nice change of pace. Compared to to what we've been doing lately, it was, yes. But Cage is an important character in the Marvel Universe, and I'm really happy we got to do this. Yeah, I think lore-wise, he's extremely important, and, and only will be growing so in the future. Well, and also, like... We've got to talk about how he's not going anywhere in this game. He's all over no. the place right now. He's in Criminals. He's in Avengers. He's in Defenders. People are using him in Midnight Suns. Like He's just a good model, Chris. I think he's a consistent workhorse three, and he'll never disappear. So it's very important we get to do this. I'm very excited about it. I'm good with him being around for a long time. That's a character that you should have as a as a mainstay in the game for a long time we didn't get to talk about the model like his arms are crossed he's crushing a rebar pipe it's the most caged thing ever like it's one of the simpler poses in the game and i think it's one of the better ones in the game because it it captures the character i i would agree with that it is the the better of the simpler poses that we've had thus far in mcp but it is very evocative of cage and it definitely still looks good Oh, it looks great. Get some paint on it. He's in those jeans, the belt and mm-hmm. the boots. You know, it's all there. There's no mistaking who he is. I can't complain. Yeah, me either. We hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Fury's Finest. Join us next time when we return to character episodes and close out this Cage episode with an Iron Fist episode. Oh, yeah. It's going to be great. It's going to be real good. So until then, thanks for listening, true believers. Excelsior. has gotten even stranger than you already know. At this point, I doubt anything would surprise me. Ten bucks says you're wrong. 